the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive, and if you're hearing that music, that means college football season is here, the bands are playing, the bets are flying, you've made it all the way through the offseason. We laid out lots of breadcrumbs for you with conference previews for all 10 FBS conferences. You can go back through the podcast feed and listen to those at your leisure. And additionally, we put so much on YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube. See all of our content there, our shorts, our full episodes. Subscribe, comment, all of it helps. And speaking of commenting, if you could go ahead and comment on our podcast feed, we'll go ahead and give out some merch this year, have some giveaways throughout. So five stars, please subscribe, unsubscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know how we do here at BBOC. All right, Ionella, we've made it. College football season is here. We got real bets, real bullets flying. How are you feeling with just hours to go before kickoff? I feel phenomenal. I, I'm going to say it one time, and we're not going to, I don't want to hear this word again for five months. We are officially putting an embargo on the word realignment. I don't want to hear that word again for five months. Let's play some football. Yeah, I am absolutely pumped. G5 lands, you know, wasn't unscathed. The, you know, the AAC ends up being an organ donor for the Big 12. Some major programs moving there, sliding in some Conference USA teams. But a lot of our pride and joy, the Sun Belt, the MAC, Mountain West, pretty much untouched. You know, there was a will they, won't they, Texas two-step situation with San Diego State. All of that, I agree. Let's put it on the sideline. Let's get to some picks. But before we do so, let's get into who are our guys this year. When this podcast was launched, the Group of Five Deep Dive, under the Big Bets on Campus banner, we were a Bailey Zappi first on-board conductor situation. We were waving people in, and he hit, you know, cult hero status. So we're hoping this year to do the same Let's go with three guys each. Who is your first for, quote-unquote, your guy from G5 land? Yeah, like you said, I think that's something that this podcast has been very good at, planning our flag, Zappy. A lot of them moved on. We lost we lost our, our baby boy, Jay Kaner. We lost Holton Aylers after – I mean, he's not really a baby boy. He's like 40. But we got to get some new guys. So we want to get our, get our listeners known. Here's the guys. We're planting our flags, our new kids. I'm starting off Preston Stone. I've talked about SMU all offseason. It is officially the Stone Age in Dallas. I'm riding with Preston Stone all year in my SMU future. I'm going to match your quarterback with another one. We're going to go Diego Pavia, New Mexico State. It's been a while since New Mexico State has been playable from a gambling perspective. They were red hot down the stretch last year. I know they played a lot of tin cans. They beat Valpo to get bowl eligible. I don't care. They went to the quick lane bowl, and he was the MVP of that game. He scores 13 total touchdowns in their last three games. He's a New Mexico legend in the state. He's from Albuquerque. He went junior college there in New Mexico, won a JUCO national title like Cam Newton, and now here he is resurrecting 
this dead program with Jerry Kill as his coach. I love the storyline. And Tim Beck, not that Tim Beck from Coastal Carolina, another Tim Beck who is a legend at the D2 level, is his offensive coordinator, guru. He really got him going down the stretch. And I love what the Aggies have this year, particularly against a slate of teams that they should be winning six or seven games. Like this slate maybe is the easiest in all of FBS football. We'll get to them for our week zero picks. But Diego Pavia, we love you. This is a Pavia podcast. I can't wait to see him ball out on Saturday against UMass. All right, number two, who you got? Yeah, this is a bit of a, you know, he, he may not even be the true starter. I don't care. He should be. Burt Manuel, Central Michigan quarterback. I've said it before. I'm a simple man. I see one thing. I make a good first impression. When he came in against Buffalo and ran for three touchdowns in the second half, I decided he's the next coming of Michael Vick, maybe even Jesus Christ. Who's to say? Can he throw the ball? I'm not sure. But in the final games, final three games of last season, he had 466 yards and seven touchdowns rushing. He is an absolute human electric factory. He can legitimately score every time he touches the ball and he takes a snap. So pretty good odds there. Fire up chips. So Ionello and I put together our G5 All-American team. You can catch that online at actionnetwork.com or on our award-winning app. And I'm going to go ahead and grab our all-purpose player on the first team, and that's Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss. The guy was phenomenal last year. He did everything for the Eagles, rushing, receiving, passing. He racked up 1,800 total yards, 13 total TDs. He had eight games of 20-plus touches. And the end of the year, I mean, I just talked about Pavia being on a heater. Like, he put him to shame. Last two games, 528 rushing yards and three TDs, including that bowl game romp over Rice. Southern Miss returns 75% of their offensive line starts. He's going to roll again. They are one of my favorite sleepers to win a conference in all of college football. I think they're going to be a live dog in the Sun Belt West, and I wouldn't be shocked to see them in the SBC title game. So I'm going with Frank Gore Jr. as my second pick. All right, wrap it up here, Ionello. Also, you forgot to mention Frank Gore Jr. is so elusive. He literally stiff-armed his auntie mid-interview. That's how hard he is to bring down. Uh, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. This has been a lot of offensive talk. Another guy from our G5 All-American team. You know, I'm from, I got a rep Connecticut every chance I get. Jackson Mitchell from UConn might be the best linebacker in the G5. He was on our All-American team. I believe he was our defensive player of the year going into the year for the G5. 140 tackles last year, fourth in the country, did everything for UConn, nine and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. He's a beast. He's a freak. He's all over the field. Probably could have gone pro, came back because just the opportunity to live in Connecticut for one more year was too good to pass up. Jackson Mitchell, go Huskies. I'm going to finish with a quarterback who's not yet been named the starter, but the upside is incredible here. Malik Hornsby at Texas State. Colin Wilson's probably moving his chair a little bit closer to his speaker because he's a former Arkansas quarterback, four-star out of high school, led a 5A program in high school to the Texas State Championship game. Unbelievably fast. 10.78 and 100-meter dash, which for those of you not in the track and field world, anywhere between 10.5 and 10.8, that's elite speed. And now he's plugged into G.J. Kinney's offense that made Lindsey Scott Jr., another big program transfer who went down to the FCS level, a superstar last year. He won the Walter Payton Award, 71 total touchdowns at the FCS level last season for Scott Jr. And the receiving core in San Marcos is ready to go. Ashton Hawkins, Bo Corrales, Joey Hobart, who is the son of Billy Joe Hobart, the quarterback of the 91 Washington Huskies, one of the greatest college football teams of all time. This receiving core and Hornsby can make magic happen if their offensive line can come together. Lots of new pieces there, a big transfer portal team. But if he gets the job, 
I could see him blowing up by, you know, let's call it mid-October once they get into Sunbelt play and really get to carve up some of those weaker defenses. Love Hornsby. I could be making this up. I do th- I do think he was named the starter. I've been searching like the last like couple days. I know that uh, Kenny was basically saying that they had both earned the right to start. So I'm hoping you're right. I hope you're a newsbreaker here. Move over, Brett McMurphy. We got our own sources in Mike Ionello. If Hornsby's the guy, he's absolutely my guy for this season. Speaking of this college football season, it's almost here, and I have some old habits that will never die, like betting every single week zero game. But I want to tell you about a new habit that I'm getting into, which is Caldera Lab Skin Regimen. It's simple and just takes one minute in the morning and one minute at night. You're already in the habit of brushing your teeth, so why not add another habit on top of that and take care of your skin, move it up a notch with Caldera Lab. So the three steps are simple. You got the clean slate, which is face wash, the base layer, which is a moisturizer, the good, a night serum that reduces fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. And one that I absolutely love is the Icon Eye Serum. I put it under my under eyes. It's already getting me some compliments, looking a little bit younger, which is going to be critical because we're going to be up late watching some West Coast football before it is uh, rest in peace there on the West Coast, Pac-12 after dark. So you want to make sure that you're looking your best on college football Saturdays and when you roll into those NFL Sundays. Like covering the spread against UMass, taking care of your skin is important and doesn't have to be difficult. One minute in the morning and one minute at night is all you need for better, more clear skin. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. It is their best offer anywhere. So use code BBOC at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the code BBOC at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to those magic words, you'll younger. Get 20% off at calderalab.com with code BBOC. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, back to the show here. This is our second little preseason before we get to week zero segment, and it's us drafting our group of five teams to make the New Year's Six Bowl game. We did this last year, Ionello, and it was pretty simple. We were saying, you got five teams, I got five teams. If you win, I will buy you a bowl pack with you know a hat, a shirt, a quarter zip, all the official swag, the gear for your team that makes it. And if by some random chance one of our 10 teams doesn't win, we'll just you know throw it to Mitchell. He doesn't have to have skin in the game. 
Well, Tulane went from, what was it, 3-9 and nine to the Cotton Bowl, <laughs> beating the Heisman Trophy winner. So Mitch, is uh, his drip is looking good. He's got the Tulane swag, the quarter zip. This year, I'm hoping that we don't run that back because now we have two producers, David Payne at Matt Mitchell. So it's starting to get pricey for us. So hopefully we don't whiff on this one. Why don't you get us started with your pick from the G5 to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game? Like I said, I've been I've been riding the ponies all offseason. I'm not stopping now. Give me SMU. Stone Age, I'm riding, I'm ri- I'm riding the ponies all the way to the Cotton Bowl. They have a pretty manageable non not manageable non-con, but like I said, I've talked about it. they should be favoring every conference game. They're probably gonna lose to Oklahoma, but I like the fact that they have TCU on the schedule because if they beat TCU, that's a good power five win. Who knows what TCU will be, especially early on in placing so many starters. That could springboard them up into the uh, G5 combo conversation. So give me SMU. I know this is going to pain you. I'm taking one of your guys, Dr. Frank Harris, in his seventh year in San Antonio. That's UTSA. The go Roadrunners meet Meep. This offense is still ready to go. I understand that they lost Will Stein as their OC to Oregon, but I love Trailer. I love what he's built at the G5 level. They've given him a contract extension, so I really believe in what they're capable of this year. And defensively, they get their quarterback of their defense back, Rashad Wisdom. He could be the difference maker. If they can move into that just mediocre conversation defensively against the pass, I think they're going to have a chance to make it a three-peat. Conference USA two years ago, Conference USA title last year, and then AAC in year one. I would love to see it from the Roadrunners, so I'm going to go and hitch my wagon to a great offense and a great quarterback. All right, who do you have as your third overall pick? Yeah, that was that was going to be my next pick. I'm sticking to AAC. I was going to take UTSA, but I'll take the AAC favorite. I'll take Tulane. They, they, they burned us last year. I'm not going to let it happen again. Uh, they play Ole Miss in the non-con, but you know, realistically, South Alabama. If, if we both like them to win the Sun Belt, that could be a good game on their resume if they get that win. And then, like I said, they're the favorite in the American. So if, if they can run the table again and, and, and get back to the win the AAC, uh, I, I like their chances to, to be right back in that game. You brought it up early in terms of non-conference schedule and how it relates to SMU and an opportunity to get a marquee win. Boise's got two shots at it. They go to Seattle and they play Washington in the opener, and then they host UCF with their new Big 12 affiliation at home on the score. Talon Green, to me, was one of the most underrated players in the entire country. Like when Boise got off to a slow start, they, you know, they get rid of their play caller. There was some dysfunction. There was a feeling that they could move on from their head coach. I think that's where the national narrative left. And then they go ahead and they just run roughshod over the Mountain West Conference last year. They get to the title game. They do all these great things. And Talon Green was an incredible dual threat. The Air Force head coach called him Vince Young-esque. So at the fourth overall pick, I'm going to go ahead with a quarterback getting those kind of compliments and hope that their new play caller, OC, doesn't ruin what made him special last year, which was breaking out of the pocket, making extending plays and making huge, you know, gash running plays with his legs. So I'm hoping that Boise sticks with that script because Ashton Gene T at running back and George Filani, that's one hell of a backfield. So I'll go ahead and hitch my wagon to the Broncos and hope that they split, you know, those two against UCF and Washington and get a marquee win out of it. All right. Where are you going next? Yeah. Like they probably win the mountain West. And that's obviously the first step of this is win your conference. So I'm going to go with the team. I, we both think wins the Sun Belt. Uh, I'll, I'll take South Alabama. You know, I think there's a chance they're, they play Tulane in the opener and they can be favored in every game after that. And that Tulane game's winnable. They get their, if they get their revenge on Troy, you know, they, they have a pretty, pretty good slate here. Where I think they could, they could rack up some wins and be right up there in that conversation. 
I'm going to go with a team that I don't necessarily love. I think that they underperform vis-a-vis their talent as it relates to their conference, and that's the Toledo Rockets. They have by far the most talented roster in the MAC. They bring back Daquan Finn. They have a really nice offensive line and running back room. I think that they're going to be able to overwhelm a lot of teams, but can they avoid that sleepwalking moment? And most importantly, because they're going to be up against, you know, these AAC programs that, as you mentioned, have been knocking out so many New Year's Six Bowl invitations over the years, a program like Boise State who has national notoriety. You got to get some, you know, big wins. You got to go buck hunting. You got to have those trophy prizes up on the wall. They open with Illinois. That's your opportunity. Illinois is a winnable game. I believe they're a nine or 10 point underdog there, but they have the veteran quarterback play to get it done. You win there. And then it's a question of does Jason Candle keep this team focused for all 12 regular season games so that there's no letdown, there's no Bowling Green game from last year that rears its ugly head. I'll go with Toledo. It's kind of a value play here at six overall. Uh, I'll go with the last conference favorite left on the board. Give me Western Kentucky. You know, no Bailey Zappi, but Austin Reed lit it up last year. And, and other than they play Ohio State, other than that, they could go 11-1. and I'm down on Liberty. So... The Hilltoppers could go eleven and one if they can, you know, not lose by a hundred to Ohio State. They could be, they they should end up ranked if they do that. My next pick here comes with a big asterisk. Um, can they figure out defense? I don't know if Memphis can figure out defense, but offensively, they should have a really potent offense. Seth Hennigan is getting up there in terms of experience. This is his third year as the starter. What they have in the running back room, I really like. I just want to kind of load up with as many AAC teams as I can because I do think you have an opportunity not only to get those marquee non-conference wins, but even ranked wins within your conference down the stretch where you're going to have, to your point, a Western Kentucky team that may have one regular season loss. How do you leapfrog them at the very end, getting to an AAC title game, playing a team that's ranked you know, 16th, 17th in the country? So I'll go ahead with Memphis. I think they have a chance to hang around, be a thorn in the side of some teams here if they figure it out on defense. It's a big if, but um, I was between them and one other AAC team. So here's fingers crossed that you don't dip into the well one more time with your last pick. Yeah, I know. Do I? Do I, there's one more AAC team? No, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Coastal Carolina. If South Alabama doesn't win, defenses. I mean, Grayson McCall can't play both ways. True, but if South Alabama doesn't win the Sun Belt. Coastal's got a good shot to do it. Um, and I think, too, when it comes down to, let's be honest, the college football, you know, playoff ratings are a TV show. And it's hard to come out of nowhere and, like, get on people's radars. Coastal is a brand name at this point. Grayson McCall is one of the most recognizable names in college football. I think that helps them a lot. I think if it's, you know, how many, you know, college football writers and fans can name South Alabama's quarterback where everyone knows McCall. So it comes down to, you know, if they're both 10 and two, 11 and one coastal probably gets ranked higher because it's coastal and it's McCall. So I'll take the shots here with my last pick. I'm going to take a shot on a name that used to be a G5 superstar and that's Tom Herman. He's landed in Boca Raton and he's leading the FAU Owls. And this team to me has everything it needs to kind of surprise and win the AAC. They got 16 returning starters. They're plus seven in the net tarp. Hat tip to Colin Wilson for that. Their quarterback play could be great with Casey Thompson. They have a really good running back room, like the wide receiving core with Wester. There's just like a lot to like, but really it just comes down to Herman for me. Like 
other than his, his stop at Texas, which by the way, he went 32 and 18. It's not like he absolutely bombed out and it was an embarrassment. He goes four no in bowl games. He just didn't get them to the college football playoff, which I understand that's the threshold of Texas, but everywhere else, he's been a superstar innovator on offense back to Texas state and the FCS at rice, you know, transformed that offense. It was really the only time in the last 50 years that rice has had a potent offense goes to Iowa state orchestrates one of the biggest upsets in college football history, knocking off the 2011 Oklahoma state Cowboys, ruining their BCS dreams, wins a natty at Ohio state with all their quarterback injuries and then kills it at Houston. He's already done this in the AAC, took him to a new year, six bowl, the peach bowl. They smash Florida state. I think this is a great value play this late in the draft. What do you think about FAU? Is there just too too much of a crowd in the AAC for them to get to the top? Or do you think there's a chance they get to the title game? Yeah, that would have been my other pick. I was deciding between. Um, I basically didn't want to take three American teams, but to your point, you know, we kind of how many how many AAC teams did we take last year? I know we took UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and. We whiffed on Tulane, so I think the more we should have just we should have just picked the whole AAC, and then whoever wins that conference, let's go one more round. I'll take Temple, you can have Charlotte. We'll we'll cover all of our bases just in case. All right, so that's our ten picks there. I'm sure Mitchell and Payne are listening closely. A programming reminder: Colin Wilson and Stucky will release a date early this week, so their week zero preview will drop Thursday morning. And with the busy college football season finally arriving, we're all looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for the busy fall days to come. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with your healthy lifestyle of nutrition and round-robin underdog parlays. They are soon to come here on the Group of Five Deep Dive. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store. You can skip the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up too. It's all so easy, but you still get the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So you'll, all you have to do is heat it up and enjoy. And then you're back to fading Trent Dilfer and the UAB Blazers. So head to factormeals.com slash BBOC50 and use code BBOC50 to get 50% off. That's code BBOC50 at factormeals.com slash BBOC50 to get 50% off. All right, we've set the table. We've also whetted some appetites with our friends over at Factor Meals. Let's get into best bets, baby. Let's let's get to what the people came for. We got real football on Saturday, the very first game, the Emerald Isle in Ireland, Navy traveling to play Notre Dame. I'm going to get started here with my best bet. I like under 50 and a half. So let's do some some housekeeping on Navy. Ken Niamatololo out. Newberry in as their head coach. He brings Grant Chestnut over as their OC from their days at Kennesaw State. And Kennesaw State's running game, here's a, a quick stat from the FCS land. They finished in the top three of rushing six of the last seven years. So Chestnut knows exactly how to add wrinkles to this offense to make them more potent, specifically in the short passing game. And Bill Wagner from the Capital Gazette, he does great work for the Baltimore Sun as well. He was recently interviewed and I was listening in and he was basically saying when the Navy offense got stagnant in the last three years, they're running the triple and then they were going play action deep shots. They didn't have the receiving core and they didn't have the accuracy from their quarterbacks to make that efficient. And because of that, the offense just couldn't hit those big plays. So what is Chestnut going to do? He's going to put tight ends on the field. He's going to do more short passes, more passes in the flats, flares, crossing routes to get 
a little bit more for the defense to have to keep in their mind and prepare for to cover the field horizontally. So I think what that translates to is a, you know less of a learning curve for their quarterbacks. They're not asking them to be threading needles, you know, making 35-yard passes. Just hit a wide-open guy in the flat for a five-yard gain. And what that says to me is if Navy can get some more first downs, huge alert here, the new rules for college football. They're getting rid of the first down stopping the clock, except in the last two minutes of the first and second half. So what is that going to mean? Could mean that we're burning an additional three to five minutes off of every single game. And when you look at a service academy that potentially could be a little bit trickier in those third and manageable situations because of a new passing game, I think they're going to be able to play keep away in this game, at least early. Now, remember, Navy finished 125th in seconds per play last year. So this is already their preferred tempo. And when you pair it with what they have on defense, Navy, I understand, fell short under Niamatololo in the last few years, but their defense really came to play. They bring back nine starters from that defense last year that finished third against the run. They're up against a Notre Dame offense that wants to run the football. Estime is going to be their bell cow. And Jared Parker, their OC, when he was the OC at West Virginia, he just fed Letty Brown the ball over and over and over again. So I think it's a strength-on-strength battle. Notre Dame offensive line is very good. I just see longer drives on both sides here. And Collins' projection is calling for this to be 45 for the total. It's sitting at 50 and a half. You know, you can argue about what those key numbers are between those two. I think there's a lot of value here. I'm calling Notre Dame 27-17, and I think it's going to comfortably go under one little perk. As a, as a final aside, just a cherry on top here, if I haven't convinced you, Navy has a new kicker. So I'm hoping for a few shanks, you know, maybe take some points off of the board that otherwise would have been some free points for the mids. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think your play leads perfectly into my play, which I'm taking Navy plus the points. Uh, it's 20 and a half at BetMGM. I do believe there's a couple 21s out there. Um, they've kind of been popping up, going back and forth. 20, obviously, I'd like 21, but I still like 20 and a half. Honestly, I would take 20. So if you can get the 21, great. If it drops a little, still take it. And it's, you mentioned it. It's between, you know, no one really knows what Navy's going to be. So sure, you can go watch, you know, Kennesaw film and you can assume, try to guess how much they'll throw, what their offense looks like. But then there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. It's kind of going to be hard to scout this Navy team. It's hard to know exactly what they're going to do on offense. You mentioned Notre Dame wanting to run the ball a lot, and that's kind of Navy's strength is defending the run. You said it all with the clock rules and everything getting smaller. So and Navy just in general, all service academies, is just they're, these are good spots for them. Since in our Action Labs database, since 2005, Navy is 31-19-2 against the spread as an underdog in non-conference games. That is 62% hit rate. They're 10-4-1 as an underdog of more than 10, 5-1 of at least 17, and 3-0 as an underdog of at least 20. Two of those came against Notre Dame. So just service academies as big dogs, I know Stocky talks about this all the time, is kind of an auto bet. And I love it even more. I don't auto bet them, but given the uncertainty around how to scout Navy, you mentioned the total's 50. You like the under. If that hits, how does Navy not cover it? You think it's going to be 40 to 10? Like, I don't. I think it's going to be, you know, 28, 14. So give me Navy plus the points. I like the 20. You can get the 21 even better. Just a quick aside, what are your thoughts on Sam Hartman? For me, coming from the claw fence in Winston-Salem, like they made that offense perfectly tailored for him. But he had some really underrated receiving targets where Notre Dame has a, a lot of 
highly touted recruits that just haven't materialized yet. So in week one or week zero in this case, I just don't necessarily see it all coming together with a new play caller. There's just too many unknowns for this to automatically click against a Navy defense that's actually very good, has a lot of experience, plays hard, and doesn't give up the big play. Yeah, that's also part of it. So I'm, I am high. I really like Hartman. I think Hartman's awesome. I think he's the best quarterback Notre Dame's had in a while. But you mentioned it. It's his first game. They have a new offensive coordinator. And it's kind of, if you remember back to when was it? Like, when did Reese leave? March ish? Remember they had that weird situation where they were trying to hire Utah's offensive coordinator, but apparently there wasn't enough, you know, donations at church that Sunday and Notre Dame couldn't afford him. So they like scrambled and hired like they promoted like their tight end coach. And I don't know. I don't know much about him, but tight end coach doesn't typically scream like sling the rock around the yard. It kind of says makes me to believe like it's more bully ball and like big meaty tight end. Let's run the ball and run two tight end sets. So I again, I like Hartman, but I, I can't picture him coming out week one and just throwing the ball all over this Navy back end. I think more like you said. They're going to lean on the run. They're going to try to ease in. They know they should be able to win this game without a huge sweat. So it's like run the ball, control the control the clock, beat Navy by 14. Everyone goes home happy. All right, Ainel, how about back to you? We, we basically had a mind meld there on the very first game in week zero. Let's see if there's any friction between us. I mean, what better place to start the season than with a little action, baby? Give me Ohio plus the points. What's the line at now? It, it was at four. Now it's down. I think it's down to two and a half now. I like a money line. I'll take any points I can get because I think it's a low scoring game. But give me whatever you, you got. Uh, it, it dropped after Curtis Rourke was officially announced. Good to go. Starter. I liked it anyway because I was kind of assuming that. So hopefully you got in early. Ohio was every gambler's darling last season. And I don't. I think they pick up right where they left off. The Maple Missile's back. Mac player of the year last year. 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns, fourth in the country in yards per attempt. They like to sling it. Bangura's back at running back. He had 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, Four of the five offensive linemen are back. Their top receivers are back. And on the other side of the ball, their strength, you know, they weren't the best defense, but their run defense was really good. And that's what San Diego State wants to do the most. And that's kind of what they've always tried to do. They literally have a converted safety playing quarterback. I'm not exactly worried about him taking the top off the defense. And last year, they took a huge step back running the ball. They were 122nd in rushing success last year. And I think we're, you know, the Aztecs, we've always known them to be a great defense, great up front, pass rush. I think that takes a big step back this year. I also think they're kind of vulnerable in the secondary. And I mentioned it with Rourke. He can beat that. He can exploit that weak secondary where that's also Ohio's weakness. And San Diego State can't take advantage of that they don't have the weapons on the outside and they don't have the quarterback who can take the top off the defense so assuming Rourke's good to go 100 which it sounds like he is which is why this number has come down i think ohio wins the game so i'm i'm the type of person that loves to take usually takes the points when i can get them because you know if they lose by one i'll kill myself if i have a money line so it's like give me the two and a half points but i don't hate a little sprinkle on the money line i think ohio wins this game I'm with you. I, I like the Bobs. I was on their money line when they're plus 145. I think they're down to plus 120 out on the market. Make sure to shop around for the best number there. I don't need the points. I am confident. Pro Football Focus selected five Bobcats for preseason All-Mac first team. You know, Curtis Rourke, you mentioned Bangura running behind the line that returns 75% of their offensive line starts is great. And then Sam Wiglis, I mean, you talk about a perfect, like, running 
oriented offense and then deep shot guy. He had 11 touchdowns last year. He was, you know, his, the Mac version of Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. He's so fast. He's so fast. I I love this team. I just want to see a Mac team. It's been a few years at least since the Mac teams really come out hot and played incredibly well in a marquee kind of non-conference game. And I want to see them do this. I understand that they're, Front seven lost a lot of experience, and they were top 50 against the run last year. So that's going to be the focal point against the San Diego State team that does like to run the football. But their secondary could be much improved. And Maiden, like, he just doesn't impress me. You know, he's a converted safety at quarterback, and I think he's going to have more on his shoulders this year, as you pointed out. The Aztecs, you know, from a personnel standpoint, have taken a step back in their front seven. Much respect to Kurt Maddox, their D.C. I think he's one of the very best in the country, but I think he's going to have his hands full in this game. So I'm on the bobs right there with you. So I don't think we're doing an official – our longtime listeners will know every week we usually do a Moneyline underdog parlay. I don't think we're doing an official one this year. But you're saying Ohio would would be in it this week? Oh, it would absolutely be in there for me this week. Um, maybe you know, maybe pair, pair them with the Jacksonville State, maybe something like that. Something like that. You know, there has been line movement there, so technically, you know, the Gamecocks count in their first FBS game. Um, but we can actually get to that as our additional comments, news, and notes here at the end of the pod. I'm going to go with my second best bet. I teased it up, Diego Pavia, my guy. <laughs> They're hosting UMass in Las Cruces. You know, let me get started with a little WeatherChannel.com here. The past week up in Amherst, Massachusetts, it's been downright lovely. Mid-70s, a little breezy. You know what the weather in Las Cruces is going to be for this game? 92 degrees with a heat index of over 100. Jerry Kill, defensive mastermind, is setting up a trap for this Minutemen offense. That was awful last year. They didn't even average 12 points per game. That was 130th in the country. They ran the ball a lot. Here's a little spoiler. They couldn't run it. 3.4 yards per carry, 103rd in the country. And now they're handing the reins over to a three-time transfer in Tyson Pumachan. This team is no good. I understand that Don Brown defensively is going to make life difficult on New Mexico State. He's got some good corners. He's going to, you know, Dr. Blitz is going to live up to his namesake and bring the pressure. But Diego Pavia is Mr. Improvisation. I don't even think I mentioned this. Pavia was an all-state wrestler. He had a scholarship offer from Nebraska. And for those not in the know, Nebraska is a national powerhouse in wrestling. This guy is tough as nails. He's sawed off. He's like 5'10". He's going to be breaking tackles and making wild throws. I love the Aggies in this game. And really the only argument, if you listen to Stucky's best bets for the season, he was shitting all over New Mexico State. You know, the defense lost so much and they were lucky to beat, you know, the crappy teams on their schedule. They have more crappy teams on the schedule and it starts with UMass. And Jamar Budden comes in from Penn State. He was a four-star guy. He's going to anchor that linebacking core. They also add Deion Wilson Jr. at defensive tackle from Arizona. Uh, Glinton at cornerback from Wyoming. These are all three-star guys kind of plugging in. And Jerry Kill kept his coaching staff together. I listened to Conference USA Media Days. I listened to some interviews with him. He's now speaking from a place of confidence that this defense is going to be just as good as they were down the stretch last year. And offensively, under Tim Beck, the Pittsburgh State Tim Beck, they took that huge jump in the last three games of the season. And I expect more star Thomas at running back Jones at running back Pavia. Like they're going to hit some big plays in the run game and open things up for their passing game. So you may be scared away because of that hook because of, you know, seven and a half and you figure these are two teams that historically don't win many games. New Mexico state's for real this year. They're going to be a bold team. Again, UMass is far, far away from that with a lot of retreads on offense. So I'm going to go with the Aggies in Las Cruces. Well, 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 Calabrese. Uh, I was doing my research last night, and I wrote down lean New Mexico State minus seven and a half because I was iffy because 
I don't like going against Stucky. It's just something I don't tend to do as often because I don't think it's profitable to go against Stucky very much. But the G5 boys have to stick together. And as of now, I'm looking, it's Tuesday night. I'm looking at BetMGM, New Mexico State, minus six and a half. Give me the hook on the other way. I'm locking it in with you. Six and a half, I'll take it. You said it. New Mexico State was fifth in the country in explosiveness last year. They should get big plays all game here. And yeah, I have questions about their defense, but you want to know what I have answers to is UMass sucks on offense. They were 133rd in success rate. I'll be honest, I don't even remember how many teams are in college football anymore. It's hard to keep track. That's all of them at this point. Is is 133rd, is that how many there are? That's right. Well, then they were dead last, and that's not good. And while New Mexico State might have taken a step back on defense, I don't think UMass took a step forward on offense. So there's not much better to answer a question than to play UMass's offense week one. And you mentioned it. I think they get enough big plays to cover the spread and pull away late. I wasn't going to take it at seven and a half. I'll take it at six and a half. G5 boys ride together. Suck it, Stucky. All right. Let's go through the cutting room floor, the games that did not make our best bet slate. Let's start with Jacksonville State hosting UTEP, a former darling of this podcast, here in their very first FBS game. I went ahead and bet it when it was Jacksonville State minus one. I believe that in the market now, they're actually catching points. I was a little bit discouraged that Zion Webb, their seventh-year starter, was actually named as the co-starter on the depth chart this week. Don't love that from Rich Rod. But what I do love is that, as Colin Wilson likes to say, this is a hot and ready offense, Little Caesar style. They come in, they were fifth nationally in rushing last year, 10th in scoring at 36 points per game. They're going to run that famed Rich Rod offense, the West Virginia Rich Rod, the successful Arizona Rich Rod. Anwar Lewis at running back is a stud as well. I still am on the Gamecocks here because I have questions about how much UTEP lost defensively. Praise Amalaway is one of our G5 All-Americans. I love him on the edge. But outside of that, I think everything is kind of trending a little bit closer to Jacksonville State here. And it's going to be a zoo. As I mentioned, very first FBS game. This has been a proud program that's won a lot of games at that level. They've been a playoff team. They upset Florida State a couple of years ago. Like This is a team that's ready for the jump. And we saw it in the Sun Belt. So many times, James Madison moves up, they start kicking ass. App State moves up, they do the same. I see something similar for Jacksonville State. I'm going to go ahead and take an offense with a veteran quarterback. Hopefully he plays. They also return 13 starters outside of him. 70% of their line starts. I like the Gamecocks here. What are your thoughts? I know that UTEP is a team we've been banging the drum for, our, our iron skillets. I don't know what they do out there in El Paso. but Pickaxes? Pickaxes onto the skillets. <laughs> Yeah, you know, UTEP's a team I've always kind of been up and down on because I feel like they should be better than they are on paper, but they're frustrating. But what kind of sealed it for me, I just, I took a shot at Stucky, so now I'll butter up Colin so that we don't start a war with the other podcast. But, you know, the two the two kind of main stats Colin always talks about being so important to covering spreads is finishing drives and explosiveness and big plays. UTEP's defense ranked in the hundreds in both of those categories. Finishing drives on offense and preventing big plays on defense. So this Rich Rod offense is going to be able to pick up big plays. That's kind of what Rich Rod likes to do. And if UTEP's not able to cash in on their chances when they get in scoring position, I'm with you. I think Jacksonville State can win this game. So I, I took Jacksonville State as well. Uh, not as confident to lock it up as my best bet. Obviously, you know, plus one, one and a half, kind of a coin toss game. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of do like the idea of kind of tying that in with Ohio. Give you a nice... Nice big payout on two games that potentially could be kind of coin flippy, get you a nice profit to start your start your season. 
Next game is a frequent flyer mile special. Hawaii flying all the way to Nashville to play Vansy. My power rankings call for this to be exactly 17 and a half. That's what the market has. So it's a pass for me. Uh, there's lots of questions I have about this Hawaii team in terms of overall depth, in terms of protection for Schrader. I think he could be under duress a lot, but I'm just not comfortable banking on a Vandy runaway win, three plus touchdowns. So it's a pass. Is it that simple for you too? I mean, I'm not going to bet it just kind of because I don't want to, to be honest with you. But if you're in like a pool, like I would bet Vandy 100 out of 100 times before I bet Hawaii. You know, you say you don't trust Vandy to pull. I mean, they won this game 63 to 10 last year on the island. Now it's in Nashville. I, I like what Vandy's doing. I like what Clark Lee's building. They're, you know, they have a harder schedule, so it might not show in the record. But like, I think Vanderbilt's better than they were last year. I think they're getting better. AJ Swan's back. And we mentioned it on our Mountain West preview. I don't think Hawaii did anything to improve or get better. So I do think Vandy probably runs away with this. I don't really kind of feel like betting it, but I'd bet them a hell of a lot faster than I bet Hawaii. This next one on the card has an even bigger number. It is USC minus 30 and a half, 31, depending on your book. I don't know. This one kind of just, it's a question of motivation. So if we were a fly in the wall inside of those USC offseason meetings in their locker room, their spring game, like, how did they emotionally handle losing that classic Cotton Bowl to Tulane? Do they view it as an embarrassment? Do they view how they finish the season, you know, getting pushed around defensively against Utah in the Pac-12 title game as an insult? Or, you know, do they kind of look at it as we can just roll out the helmets, we can roll out the Heisman Trophy winner and win this game by 24 points and just, you know, go go back to our apartments and, and sleep it off? Because, like, they can do that. San Jose State does not have the defense. They do not have the D-line pressure and superstars that they really had the last two years. They do have some punch offensively. Shevin Cordero used the butt of our jokes leading into last season. He looked pretty solid throughout the year. And you got to figure against the USC defense that you got to prove it to me. You got to prove you can make open field tackles. I know Bear Alexander comes in on the D line. Arguably, they should be better against the run. But there's two things that I remember for last year. It was not being able to make tackles when it mattered and having incredible turnover luck in the first half of the season. So, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence and I want to see it from USC. There's a live bet opportunity. I think if they come out with their hair on fire, mainly on defense, if they show their physical, they have a different tone, maybe I'll jump in and lay a big number. But at this point, I'm just not interested. Yeah, you know, I I bet USC. um, Colin Wilson wrote a really good piece uh, over the summer about the biggest TARP mismatches in week zero. And he highlighted how USC returned 70 cent of their production on offense, obviously highlighted by Caleb Williams. And San Jose State returns just 35% on defense. They replace, you know, they have to replace two of the last three Mountain West defensive players of the year, in addition to a three-time all-conference linebacker. So I do like the Trojans here. I will say the more I kind of dug into San Jose State, obviously ended up playing a future on them. Cordero is my boy now. We mentioned our guys at the top. Cordero might be an honorable mention for that. I feel like me and him used to be budding rivals. And then now we're like, the, when, when Kane and Undertaker come together as the Brothers of Destruction after their long feud, that's going to be me and Cordero this year, tearing up the Mountain West. So I'll be honest, if I had to rebet this today, I probably wouldn't take it. But I do have USC already in my pocket. All right, let's look at the last game. Hammerin' Hank Bachmeyer has a new home in Ruston, taking on FIU. FIU returns... More offensive line starts than just about anybody in Conference USA, 83.3%. 13 returning starters overall, including both specialists, Grayson James, a quarterback. They're plus six in the net tarp. 
I guess I would lean that way. You, you know, the, for a team like them, losing Tyrese Chambers to Maryland's their wide receiver was really their best perimeter weapon. If he was still there, I'd be a little bullish and I'd hop in here. Other than that, I just want to see, did La Tech fix their horrific defense? Can Bachmeyer be effective and stay healthy, at least, you know, through one game? Probably. But there's not a whole lot of sex appeal in this game. And like I said, I'm going to be focused more on the live opportunities in the late night game between San Jose State and USC. Anything um, interesting to you in this one? Not really. This is one of those games where I started writing my notes without having a path and just kind of see where the road took me. And, you know, it's week zero. I get it. There's only eight games. If you're a true degenerate and you're like, I got to have game action on every game. As I was writing these notes, I don't have much thoughts on FIU. Great you mentioned it. James is back. I don't know or think he's necessarily good. I don't really have any thoughts on FIU. The more I kind of dug into La Tech, you know, obviously I think Bachmeyer's terrible if you listened to this pod before, but he's probably better than James. He's better than anybody the Bulldogs have last year. They have some nice pieces. Marquise Crosby, Squirrel Williams is electric. Smoke Harris is back, kind of a do-it-all dual wide receiver kick returner. And you mentioned it, this defense was horrific. They added a ton of transfers, but it may take a few games for them to get gelling. If you want to bet every game, I probably would take the over in this game. I don't love FIU's def- or offense per se, but the La Tech defense is so bad. You know, total of 59. I like what La Tech has on offense. They have exciting pieces. And the thing that I like about FIU to contribute to this is they're one of the most aggressive teams in the country in terms of going for it on fourth down which last year led them to either win the game or get lose by 100. because they So for an oversake, maybe they go for it on fourth down, score a touchdown instead of a field goal, get you an extra four points, or they turn it over in La Tech territory, give them a short field, quick you know, smoke carrots, touchdown, run the score up a little bit. So if you want to play all eight games, I would probably lean over in this, but I probably won't have any action in this one. I think you talked me into the over there. I, I, I love Smoke Harris. He made our G5 All-American team, you know, if you get a special teams touchdown, that's a huge, you know, boost to your over chances. So if I'm having a good week zero, maybe I'll go ahead and sprinkle. If we yeah, this is the last game of the night, right? Yeah, it's the last game here. Yeah, so, all right. So after you cash your Ohio-Jacksonville State parlay, throw a few shekels on this over and have yourself a good night. This has been the BBOC podcast, the Group of Five Deep Dive, presented by BetMGM. We will be back throughout the entire season. We have so much programming. Colin and Stucky are actually going to do their Week Zero preview earlier this week, so it will drop on your podcast feed on Thursday morning. And throughout the year, we're going to have the BCS with Brett McMurphy, Colin, Stucky. We're going to have reaction shows. We're going to have the live Saturday show as well over on YouTube. You can follow us there. Please subscribe comment tell a friend tell an enemy you know how we do here thank you so much for listening i'm mike calories that's mike ianello this has been the group five deep dive let's get some winners here in week zero action network reminds you please gamble responsibly If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.